I'm Pat Hyben, and over the past 25 years, I've sold over 7,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in volume. In 2010, I sold my teen business to my top agent and went on book tour promoting my book, Six Steps to Seven Figures, a real estate professional's guide to building wealth and creating your destiny. That book went on to become a New York Times bestseller. Now I live off the passive income streams from the real estate I bought with commissions I earned as a full-time agent. And I am committed to giving back to the real estate industry as so many mentors of mine have given back to me. On this show, we'll interview the world's best agents, brokers, coaches, and investors to help you make more commissions and create the life you deserve. Okay, Rockstar Nation, we have a great guest today coming out of Cleveland, Ohio. I have James Wise of the Holton Wise Real Estate Group coming out of Cleveland, Ohio. And man, they are doing some very, very interesting things with attracting buyers from outside of Cleveland to buy a ton of properties that they have for sale in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, they're making a lot of money doing it and they're having a lot of fun doing it. We're going to find out exactly how in this episode. So James, without further ado, welcome to Pat Hyben Interviews Real Estate Rockstars. Hey Pat, thanks for having me on. So James, why don't you give everybody a little rundown on who you are so they can get to know you better? Yeah, absolutely. My name is James Wise and uh, I am part owner of the Holton Wise Property Group. What we do is we're a commercial and residential real estate brokerage. We also do property management, constructions, and we have a hand in insurance. What we do a little bit differently than uh, most of your traditional brokerages is we sell properties here in the Cleveland area, but we don't go after just the local Cleveland area buyers and sellers. We go after a national market. So we are selling these to investors out in California, New York, Texas. I got a couple guys out in Singapore, one guy in the UK. Uh, it's very, very interesting what we're doing. Yeah, that's great. And I love it. I love it when people do things differently to get business because really that's what our audience wants to hear, right? Is how can I do something different that no one else is in my market is really doing? So let's let's get some deep statistics here. So how many houses have you sold in the last 12 months from this platform uh year to date we have sold 322 houses amazing 322 all from out-of-state people that's my brokerage's total numbers uh, i would say we probably sell half of that to out-of-state folks okay. we also do regular residential uh just like any other brokerage so about half of that would be to your uh, your investor platform okay so your investor platform is kind of like your team Right. And then the other 150 units are, are regular residential agents kind of running around uh, making commissions on a regular brokerage. Right. Absolutely. Just okay. like a Keller Williams. OK. And so you said earlier that about 10 of the you have about 10 agents that are working for you. Right. That that are basically selling 150 plus houses to investors a year. Is that right? Yeah, we got we got 35 agents at the brokerage. Ten of those are folks that are 
just focusing on the investor base. I mean, not not all of their sales are going to be totally investor based, but like a good eighty percent of their sales is, is to this investor product we're uh, we're selling. Okay, and so on your team of investor based uh, agents, what would you say your your ECI, as I like to say, ego commission income or your gross commission income on those hundred fifty deals? What would that be? Uh, this year we're we're coming in at right now year to date we're at nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars in commission and then an additional two hundred fifty thousand in property management commissions. That's awesome. And that nine fifty is for the whole company or just on the investor model? That's for the whole company. I okay. would say roughly half of that is is just based on the investor model. All right, cool. And then what was your profit? Well, we have several different types of companies and uh, you know offerings, so. And I don't really want to get into the exact profit on everything because I'd have to go through thousands of pages because we, we invest a lot of that ourselves. So a lot of it goes right back in. So we'd be, uh, me and you'd be together for several hours to go through all that. Got it. So tell me about what other things you have going besides. Um, so you got your real estate company, right? And then you said you had an insurance company? Yeah, we do insurance. We own a stake in a farmer's insurance brokerage. We do all the construction here as well. We're topping at about 1.5 million in sales uh, this year for the construction. And then, you know, our portfolio uh, of properties we manage at the moment, it's just shy of 30 million. We're, our portfolio is worth about 27 million. Of that, myself and the other owner of Holton Wise, we own about 20%. So a lot of the money we're making on commissions and construction sales, it's going right back into this business because we're buying these properties right along with these investors. Oh, that's neat. That's neat. Because you're, you're making more money on the uh, construction company than you are on the real estate commission. So that's interesting. That's, um, so that's a good game for you is the construction. To be honest with you, Pat, turning up the construction, everyone thinks we make the most on the construction, but the, uh, the profitability on the construction is actually almost a loss leader. That's what really helps us attract a lot of the buyers because we offer it. But, uh, you know, the bread and butters and the commissions. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that's good to know. So, okay. So let's talk um, about, you know, how you do this. So, so you buy, you find houses, right? And then you offer them to buyers, investors out of, outside of Cleveland, right? And the reason that you're going outside of Cleveland, first of all, is, is why? If you take, say there's 3 million people in the greater Cleveland area, Every single brokerage in the greater Cleveland area is fighting each other over those same three million people. So when everybody's bobbing, I want to weave. I'm like, all right, well, everybody's fighting over these folks. Let's go to a, a national base. Where, where can I have the most people looking at me, looking at my product? So that's when I decided to do something on a national level. And uh, myself and the other owner, we had experience um, in, in managing property. As I said earlier, we own a large portion of that portfolio. He's been a contractor for about 20 years, so he handles all that side of it. You know, I'm a salesman. I'm a born salesman. That's what I do. So we're, we're doing all these, these properties ourselves, and we're managing them and, and handling it all. And, uh, you know, we're posting everything online, telling everybody what we're doing. And people really started to take notice, and they're like, hey, that's pretty cool. I'm out here in California. I can't buy a house for 75000 How do I get involved with you guys? So, you know, the need for that, we saw that there was that need and we're like, hey, we're, we're going to fill fill that spot in the marketplace. Okay, so so let's talk some exact stuff. So, so first of all, I want to find out how you find a guy in California that's an investor. 100% online marketing. 
you know, shows like yours. Uh, I'm a moderator on one of the biggest investment social media networks that there are. Instagram, Facebook, you know, people can never overlook the power of social media. How many eyes are going to be on you if you're out there? Instagram, Facebook, making sure that you're using the correct hashtags, just really getting your message out there. And, you know, the number one thing with sales, you know, you tell everybody how good of a job you're going to do for them. You do a great job. And then you make sure you tell everybody how great of a job you did. Wow. And to get some specifics on that. So, so there was like an, a site where investors hang out. Is this right? On Facebook. And you ask, can I be a moderator? Can I be like an admin? How's that work? Now, there's another site. It's very similar to Facebook. It's called Bigger Pockets. It's basically Facebook only geared towards investing. And I am a moderator on that site. Okay. And I, I spend a lot so, of time on that site. Okay, cool. So, so Brandon's been on the show. Brandon's one of my fraternity brothers in GoBundance. And I've been on Bigger Pockets. So, so let's talk about that. So, you go on Bigger Pockets. And you volunteer a lot, and then and then those guys, Josh and Brandon, say, "Hey, do you want a do you want a job where you work for free and you don't have to pay uh, fees, or or how's that work? How can somebody listening do the same thing?" Well, you don't even have to be a moderator to generate a lot of business from that site either. But yeah, basically, what you said is is pretty much how it went down. You know, I, I spent a lot of time on that site. I offer up a lot of advice. Um, and you know, I, I have a lot of knowledge and I give that knowledge out to the community. People take notice and, and that's how you get people that want to invest with you. And I just did that so much that, yeah, they ended up having me become a moderator, but by no means is becoming a moderator the, uh, the only way to generate business from a site such as that. And you could also do the same thing, you know, on Facebook and Instagram, people are out there trying to learn how to do these things. If you have knowledge, you give that knowledge out to the world and you will get returns from that. Yeah. I think what a lot of people miss nowadays on Facebook, which to me is kind of comical in a way, is that if you have a page, let's say I have a, like I have a bunch of pages, right? So I have a page called, you know, Pat Ivan Interviews Real Estate Rockstars. And if people like that page, what I have to remember is that I don't own that page. Facebook owns that page. So people can create ads that target people that like Pat Hybin or Pat Hybin interviews real estate rock stars without my permission, right? Any random can do that. So what a smart person like you does is they'll create a Facebook ad and they'll target people in California that have liked bigger pockets and, uh, or people in California that have liked real estate investing or real estate investment clubs or whatever. And an ad showing a house for seventy-five grand that says seventy-five thousand rents for nine hundred will pop up on the screen, right? Is that sort of what you do? Absolutely. That that is it in a nutshell. And to even further that, you know, if you got folks out there that are just getting started, getting their feet wet, and maybe they don't have that large budget, uh, on a smaller scale, you could somewhat do the same thing by making sure you're utilizing the correct hashtags, such as real estate investing or hashtag Pat Hyben. On Instagram. Yeah, you could do it on Facebook too, but yeah, both of them. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think as many people uh, hashtag on Facebook. Uh, they did one, uh, They did a while ago, but mainly on Instagram. And I see that's picking up a lot. They, they should though. I, I hashtag on Facebook all the time and it generates me business. That's Does it? Does another it work? Thing. Everyone's yeah. bobbing, I'm weaving. Yeah, that's nice. Okay, so now we got the how. Let's talk about the what. What I kind of made that up but like tell me what the exactly your ad might say 
if someone's looking to do this in Fairfax, Virginia, and they want to attract people to Fairfax um, from California, what would the ad say? Basically, we'll put out a property and we'll just run through the numbers. You know, we'll put a few pictures of the property. We'll explain, you know, the property is 75000 That's the asking price. Uh, we'll, we'll go in and we'll look at the property and see how much money you would need to put into it to, to bring a renter in. You know, we're, we're targeting properties that are pretty darn nice. Nothing like full-on gut job renovations or anything like that, but pretty much any property that's on the market, when you get it ready for a tenant, you know, you need to spruce it up, make sure, you know, all the safety precautions are in place like smoke detectors, carbon dioxide detectors, etc. So we'll put out a property tell you what the price is, tell you about how much you're going to need to pay us to fix it up, and then we'll tell you how much we're going to rent it for, and then we'll run through your estimated expenses, you know, your taxes, your repairs, your vacancy, and we'll run through all the numbers, and then folks will contact us. One of our agents will reach out, and we'll go over that property with you. Maybe it's a fit, maybe it's not. If it's not a fit, we find out what is a fit, and then we'll go out and we'll find it for you. Wow, and you'll even do, like, without meeting them or without them seeing the house, you know, give them an estimate, right? Because you own the construction company and you'll say, hey, you know, my guys have looked at it and they figure, you know, it needs 20 grand in repairs. So budget for that. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, right? There's properties out in the Cleveland market and our and our agents, you know, we're, we're looking for listings as well. So we'll, we'll target sellers that are selling houses in neighborhoods that we have many, many rentals. We'll, we'll target those those sellers like, hey, this is who we are. This is what we do. You want to list with us because we have a national buyer base. They're like, oh, absolutely. So they list with us. We now have that listing. So then we'll run through all the numbers on the property. We'll run through the estimate and then we'll send that out. And if we talk to one, one, one investor and he doesn't like it, you know, we'll talk to the next one and the next one and the next one until we sell it. Have you ever lost a listing? Have you ever just kind of gotten kicked in the stomach because you felt sure that you got a listing and uh, the rapport was incredible and then they call and tell you they listed with somebody else or even worse, they send you an email and tell you they've chosen someone else. It hurts, man. I know it's happened to me tons of times and I hated it. And um, so because of that, I created a product called a certified listing agent. I got the eight top listing agents in the world and recorded their listing appointments. Everything, no holds barred, no secrets here, everything. And then after each listing appointment, we uh, discussed it and uh, created a course out of it. It's uh, over 10 hours of intense uh, video and it's for you to watch and never lose a listing again. Check it out. There's a lot of free samples. You can go in and see kind of what it's like before you uh, sign up for it. Uh, RebusUniversity.com. We also got the the uh, highly popular CTA, Certified Team Agent with Jeff Cohn. And that is how to build a massive team. How Jeff went from 80 to 580 units in four years. And uh, what he does behind the scenes. What forms he uses. How his systems are run. Everything on the CTA, Certified Team Agent, and many things to come. If, you, if you're interested, go to uh, rebusuniversity.com. Put yourself on the mailing list there. Uh, we have a price reduction course. We have a 101 ways to get uh, real estate leads for free. We have an ISA course coming out, uh, a lead handling course, not, not how to lead generate 
there's there's a ton of courses that other people do on that but this is how to efficiently capture leads and work with them so uh they have a couple of courses coming out on that aspect so anyways rebusuniversity.com check it out guys you'll be glad you did now on uh with the show So how many of these investors do you think are buying sight unseen? A lot of them buy sight unseen, but it's not like they're just like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. Three months later, here's my money. Uh, The way the process typically works is we'll meet an investor. We'll talk to that investor through phone calls, emails. A lot of times, and I encourage this, I, I encourage anybody who's thinking about buying a property in a state they don't live in, they will fly out to Cleveland, come into our office, meet our people, um, drive around town. We'll drive them through the different neighborhoods. You know, show them some high-end stuff in the suburbs, some lower-end stuff, and from there they kind of get a grasp. And maybe they'll make an offer on a property right then and there, something they saw, or maybe they go back home and now they're familiar with the types of properties they're seeing. Then they'll make offers, and we encourage everybody, everybody, to get a home inspection from a third-party inspector. Not, you know, just something that my guys said, because, you know, my guys are, you know, we're, we're honest, of course, but yeah. at the end of the day, we're still getting paid from you buying it. So I prefer you have that third party inspector, you know, just from a liability standpoint alone. And it's, it's in your best interest to really get a grasp on everything. Absolutely. Smart on both sides. I mean, and, and make sure that company has nothing to do with you guys, you know, Absolutely. That are listening, you know, like tell them, yeah, I would even go, go so far as saying, you know, go on. Angie's list and Google reviews and find somebody. I don't. I purposely do not want to recommend somebody for you. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And it, I have all my agents. I, you know, if any, a lot of people will ask us, "Hey, who's a good home inspector?" I, I make my agents refer at least three. Right. So, um, are these houses that you have listings on only, or do you find them in MLS and do that as well? We'll do it all. Uh, we'll, we'll sell the ones we have listings on, but if what we have listings on isn't what somebody's meeting, uh, wants and there is something else that out in the market that, uh, would fit that investor's needs, we'll absolutely represent them as their buyer, buyer's agent and handle that as well. We do some business off of LoopNet too, cause we sell apartment buildings the same way. Okay. So let's talk some nitty gritty on numbers. You know, we've had uh, several different investors on the show and, you know, we're always curious how the cash on cash changes from state to state. So if I can buy a house for $100,000 there, what can I rent it for? Well, there's a couple different things you can do with a $100,000 house, right? You can purchase... If you're in the $100,000 range, you could probably find yourself a nice suburban single-family home that'll rent for about $1,100, um, and that'll be in a pretty nice nice area, like, you know, a B, B-plus neighborhood, right? Re- really strong tenants, strong school system. With the same hundred grand, you could also buy something in a, a slightly less desirable neighborhood, maybe like a, a B-minus, C-plus area that'll rent for about $1,516, and it'll be a multifamily home, so there'll be, there'll be two tenants. That's great. Those are good numbers. What do I get if I if if I go deep? What do I get if I get a, you know section eight in the ghetto? What do I get then? Woo, that's in, a, in the ghetto. Ah, uh, well, I mean Cleveland. A lot of people are attracted to Cleveland because you know they see these houses on Zillow that you could buy in the ghetto for fifteen, twenty, twenty-five grand. You want to buy a house for twenty-five grand? You know you're in a D-minus ghetto area. It's it's going to be rough. Uh, you might make some money for a little while. 
but then there's going to be some serious costs. What we see, we don't really like to sell anybody anything um, super, super rough. Uh, typically for a single, the lowest price point we like to go is in the $40,000, $45,000 range. And you'll get a tenant who's paying seven fifty, eight hundred. And, uh, you know, those could be okay for a while, but sometimes it's going to get a little rocky. You're going to see evictions. Uh, your tenant quality is not going to be as strong. So if you're going to invest in something like that, you need to know that there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. Yeah. I have a lot of Section 8 rentals, and I know that, that uh, you know, one of the, my biggest struggles is the inspections because they're always they're always inspecting them and, and wanting you as a landlord to fix them up. And then you have issues with the tenant not letting the inspector in and, uh, you know, missing inspection appointments. And then the Section 8 won't pay the rent if you don't have, haven't met the inspection days. And uh, then next thing you know, you only get 10 out of 12 months rent because the you know, the tenant's never there for the inspector. So it's a big challenge. But anyways, yeah, I like Actually, that. Actually, so- to, to that, Pat, if I, if I can add to that, if you don't mind, Go. you get a lot of folks out there that they, they see the lower end properties and, and you explain to them the risks of non-payment vacancy and they'll be like, oh, it doesn't, don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to go Section 8 anyway. And, and they forget about all the things you just mentioned. Or the fact that a lot of the times the tenant's going to break things inside the home or, or make the home really dirty. And then Section 8 comes in and says, oh, well, you need to repaint the whole inside of your house. And you're like, the tenant the tenant did it. And there's so many times that the tenant is just working against you. And you know, actually getting the house approved for Section 8 the very first time, sometimes your house is empty for four months while Section 8 goes through the entire process. And then your tenant doesn't have any money because they're just getting their money from the state. By the time you go through that four-month process, get everything ready, your tenant's long gone and there's nothing you can do to get them to move in because they never put down any money to hold the house. Yeah. I had an issue recently in Baltimore City where, you know, Baltimore City will uh, considers it inhumane to turn off water. So, so does Cleveland. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so yep. as the landlord, we have to pay the water bills and, and then try to get the tenant to pay us, which they usually don't, but that could, you know, be several thousand bucks a year. They could jack you in water and then roll out and, you know, when their lease is up and never pay you. Absolutely. We, uh, we have the same scenario here in Cleveland. So we actually just build it into the rent because we found that, uh, trying to get them to repay it later, very, very difficult process. Takes months. It's much more different. Um, it's it's a much more difficult and different process to evict for a utility if they're still paying rent. So we have to build it into the rent. And uh, yeah, there sometimes you run into some issues. The lower the value of the property, the more issues and issues like that you're going to yeah. encounter. Yeah, I, I love those numbers because you know we talk on the show about the one percent rule a lot, which is you know you buy a house. For a hundred grand, you should be getting at least a thousand a month in rent, one percent per month in rent, and you're getting one and a half, one point four, one point three, even one point one. I mean, that's um, that's really solid. Um, so why why do you think Cleveland has these solid numbers, where other states and other cities uh, are struggling uh, now to you know even get a point six or a point seven or or in California you know a point three? Well. There's that California sunshine. I mean, you know, let's just face it. The reality is there are more people that want to live in California and have 70 degree weather year round as opposed to live in a Rust Belt city like Cleveland. So naturally, the prices are, are going to be driven up in, in a place like California. 
Cleveland, you know, it, it went through some difficulties uh, for many, many, many years. Right now, we're on an uptick. Uh, you know, you'll see that out there in the national press. Cleveland is on an uptick. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is a Rust Belt city. And, uh, you know, your snowbirds are going south uh, when they get older. So our pr- prices and our cost of living has been very, very low. And uh, I do feel that there's a big opportunity for those uh, with capital to make a lot of money. And, you know, that's what myself and my partner started doing. And it, it just went pretty well for us. And, you know, we see investors out there making some pretty good money as well. But you have to invest, uh, you know, making smart decisions. You can't just go crazy and try to just gobble up everything in the ghetto. <laughs> so, so yeah. So now you're doing something where you're, you said you were 20%, you and your partner, I guess 10% each owners in a bunch of properties and 80% is to investors. And what are you doing there? Are you just kind of finding them and saying, Hey, you guys fund them and, um, and we'll do all the internal. We'll be like your guys on the ground here. Tell me about that. Cause it's, it's an interesting way that you're kind of building wealth. I think without a lot of cash in it, more sweat in it. Is that, am I right with that? Uh, well, sort of what I said, what I meant earlier, we, we're running a portfolio, $27 million in value, roughly. It's a compromise of about 600 units. Of that entire portfolio, 20% is owned by myself and my partner. And that's properties that you know we own totally, just us two. Um, however, there are actually a few properties we do own where a couple people went together and purchased them. But so when you say I, you're when you say you're running a portfolio, you just mean you're you're managing that from your property management company. Yeah, and of our entire portfolio, my management company runs. We're selling about eighty percent of that and managing it third party for these investors we've been talking about. I got and then it. about and you guys, you know, one out of every million. Yeah, one one out of every five. You know, we're getting in there and we're buying right next to you because. Hey, oh, I see. So you're, I'm a capitalist. Yeah, good for you. Good for you. So, what do you guys own? Like sixty houses or so. Uh, nah, more like uh, like 100, 120, 130, something okay. like that. Okay, so you're buying them for like fifty grand. So that's that's uh, that's that's your pr- yeah. that's your point. We do yeah, a lot of uh, yeah. We do a lot of apartment buildings too. That's that's kind of what wets my beak when uh, when John and I are looking for something to buy. We we bought a lot of houses, but we've actually kind of moved on from that. And now we're looking to buy, you know, small retail strip centers, uh, apartment buildings, things of that that nature. Like the last building I bought was a medical center. That was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That's uh, that's how monopoly teaches us, right? To, you know, buy the greenhouses, trade them in for the big red hotels. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> And uh, I did the same thing, so I love it. So, hey, I want to switch gears for a second. And the only reason I'm bringing this up, and I hope you don't mind, is because I'm always looking for lessons, okay? Like, like I want every show to have, like, 10 lessons in it where people are like, mm, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I can learn from this guy rather than make the mistake myself, right? And you had something happen to you recently, man. It was all over the news. I'm talking national, international news. I mean, it's it's all over there, right? So you had one of your employees like send a nasty tweet, right? Can you tell me about this? Yeah, we last uh, last year during the NBA Finals, uh, Cavs are playing the Golden State Warriors. Go Cavs! Uh, we had an employee who had uh, sent uh, a very inappropriate tweet uh, to Steph Curry, Seidel Seidel Curry, Steph Curry's sister, and uh, it got picked up and uh, retweeted by many, many large sites, uh, including Bro Bible, and and this thing just exploded. And uh, I'm none the wiser. I don't have any idea this is going on. And and then I start getting all these tweets and private emails 
like Holton Wise, what are your employees doing? How, how could you have an employee say something this inappropriate in a public forum? And I'm like, what the heck is going on? So I, I go research this and uh, figure out what had happened. And, and I saw what the gentleman had said. And, uh, you know, there were some unfortunate comments and uh, they did not shine a bright light. So we had to remove him for, you know, that lack of judgment. You know, I, I can't have a guy out there who's going to be selling the biggest investments of people's lives to them, uh, you know, showing that, that lack of judgment. So, yeah, we had to remove him. We issued a, a formal apology. But, yeah, it was a pretty wild ride. We were we were all over, all over the news, everywhere. <laughs> I think Washington Post picked it up. It was on Mike and Mike in the morning. It, it was crazy. Oh, my God. And and how quick? Well, Golick's from Cleveland, too, which is which is kind of interesting. So he, he was talking about it. Wow. And, and so, like, how quick did you – and the, the lesson, guys, in this is in leadership, okay? That's, that's the point here. So think about this from a leadership, uh, how to handle crisis, right? So how quick did you make your decision to can the guy? About 20 minutes. After I read through everything, saw what he said, you know, that, that behavior just wasn't becoming uh, of my team, my company. I don't want my name attached to that type of uh, comment. So, you know, immediate boom. Just done. And, then, to, and had, did you just call him up and say you're fired? Or did you meet him? What'd you do? Yeah, I called him, explained. Uh, what, you know, once I called him, he knew why I was calling. He's like, oh, man, I, he was a young kid, right? You know, I called him like, you know, I'm calling, right? He's like, oh, my God, I, I don't know what's going on. This blew up. I wasn't thinking, you know, and I, I let him down easy. But, uh, you know, I just I can't have that type of stuff associated with my business. And, you know, I encourage all other business owners to take the same stance. I mean, you know, well, I can't I can't let that kind of thing slide. You just you can't use hate speech out there. That's just that's not becoming of uh, of my team and my company. No, what a disaster, right? It probably ruined. Yeah. You probably didn't sleep for four nights. I mean, or more. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, um, I kept getting woken up by Twitter notifications. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that. Everyone was kind of tweeting you, right? Saying, you know, how could you, you know, this is a reflection of you. And I tell you, my phone, I had to get a new phone. It caught on fire. Really? Nah, I was kidding. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. I know that that was uh, uh, uncomfortable for you, but I think there's a leadership lesson in that, and, and that's the 20 minutes. I mean, when something like this happens, you you know you got to cut you got to cut them loose. I mean, because because it it could be a disaster. You got to just come clean and be like, look, you know, we don't condone this, and this isn't me. This is one of my guys. He's no longer. Boom. Right. Absolutely. Cut the cord. Pull the bandaid off. Very good, very good. Well, well, this has been great. Listen, I'm going to put all of the information that we talked about in this show on hybendigital.com backslash James Wise. Hybendigital.com backslash James Wise. All of James's information, everything we talked about, you know, certainly if you want to do this in your hometown, and I think it's awesome, if you can get these sort of return numbers... There are a huge amount of investors out there looking for returns like this because they can't get them in their hometown. And if your hometown has this sort of thing, you could be like James and you can create the exact same thing that he's created. So there's opportunity here, guys. So uh, definitely let us know what you think and uh, all James information will be on there. And James, thanks so much for coming on Pat Hyman Interviews Real Estate Rockstars. I appreciate everything you shared and uh, if I'm ever in the Cleveland area, I will uh, look you up. We can break some bread together. Absolutely. Just don't be tweeting anything crazy about it. <laughs> you got it, bro. <laughs> All right. Take care, Pat.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.